0: This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. Hope you guys are having a good uh, morning. Who in here, just by a raise of hand, is excited that fall has arrived? All right, put your hands down. Don't get too excited, because you know tomorrow it's probably going to be 109 degrees. Hey, uh, what I want to do this morning before we begin, my name's Joel. If you're new here at the River Church, uh, our pastor, Mike, Gerald, and Katie. They had a baby, so uh, Katie's right now at the house with baby Judah, and uh, we're really excited for them. Mike is here this morning, so we're excited to see him. Uh, So yeah, so you got me. Uh, So I'm going to be sharing with you uh, just uh, uh, another sermon in a series called Welcome Home. Uh, This sermon series is about welcoming home people who have been away from God, welcoming, welcoming them home back to the arms of Jesus, back to the arms of God. And then also welcoming, welcoming, I can't say, I can't even speak this morning, welcoming them home to the church. So I want to go ahead and just read our scripture for this morning and then we'll get into the message, all right? Uh, If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 10, all right? 25 through 37. All right, here we go. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked him, and how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place where, uh, place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him and when he saw the man, he had compassion." He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. And then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Let's pray this morning. God, we hear your word. God, we're so thankful that we have this text that changes our lives. And God, I pray this morning as a church and as Christians and uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, God, I pray that you challenge our hearts to be a good neighbor. God, I just pray your spirit is in this room. We're here to meet you. God, I pray that you speak to our hearts and our minds, that we don't leave this place without hearing your voice this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Uh, I want to start with this phrase. No matter what we know, if we're not doing it, it's useless. So uh, I, so my name's Joel. I'm a part of the Dream Team at the River. Uh, I've been married eight years, and I have a two-year-old. Dun, dun, dun. That should tell you a lot about my life right now, that I have a two-year-old. Okay, yes terrible twos is what they say. My boy's a perfect angel sometimes. Uh, so he's an incredible guy, uh, but I'm learning a lot. Okay. I also, I work a full-time job at BNSF and, uh, what, what? And, and so anyway, I come home and I am slap tired. All right. Can anybody relate? You come home from work and you're exhausted. Okay. A few of you. Uh, yeah. So I come home and I am tired. And, and listen, I, I'm just being honest with you. I just want to be transparent, okay? I come home, I'm exhausted. My wife is exhausted too, all right? She stays at home with this two-year-old and it's it's crazy. Uh, it's just, it's a beautiful hurricane. And so anyway, uh, she is tired too. So as parents, listen, you don't have to be a parent to understand this. Listen, when you, just imagine, I'm coming home, we have this toddler and we're learning a lot about his needs, a toddler can't do a lot of things on his own. And one of those things is hygiene. Okay. Hygiene. Very, very important. And so, uh, my son, his name's Emmanuel, but we call him Manny Fresh. He, uh, it's, it's just important that we take care of him and his hygiene. So we got this system. I came up with this system. Here's what we're going to do. He's going to eat dinner. All right. Then we're going to go put him in the bathtub, let him play for a minute. All right. We're going to brush his teeth. We're going to then take him to his room, dry him off, give him his uh, diaper, his PJs, and then he goes night-night, all right? So that's, that's kind of the system. Well, as a parent, when you come home, man, the devil's there to tempt you, right? To take shortcuts. So I am there giving the man a bath, all right? And then I take him, and we go to brush his teeth. Nah, we're going to skip that. I know that he needs to be brushing his teeth. It's so bad that son- he's at the age now to where he's like, brush teeth? brush teeth as I'm carrying him to his room. Not good. Not good. I'm just confessing as a parent. Is that okay? Are we, is that, this is a, this is a safe place. So I, I, I I skip his teeth brushing and we go straight to bed. Well, it's all cool, you know. And me and Katie, we get to spend time, we get to watch some TV together, we're chilling, he's asleep. It's great. And then I go in on Sunday morning and I walk in and he's he's there. He's at the crib. He's so happy. His hair's all crazy. He's the cutest thing you have ever literally ever seen. And I walk up to him and I pull him out of the crib and he goes, "Dada." And I'm like, Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, my God, his breath is so bad. Y'all act like y'all, y'all breath has never been bad. You act like you've never had a child. that Okay, anyway, listen, his breath is bad. I know that we need to brush his teeth. I know there's a difference between knowing and there's a difference between doing it. Some of you this morning, you came in here and you got your Bibles, right? You got you got the Holy Word of God, and some of y'all you've been reading this thing for years. And uh, some of y'all, if you know, like you got chapters hanging out, falling out, yeah, because you've been reading it all the time. Your the spine is falling to pieces. I saw someone's Bible the other day; they had like bright colored duct tape up the spine. Some of you, you got to put sunglasses on when you open it because that Joker's highlighted from top to bottom, every type of highlighter color. You know, listen. Imagine if those of us who have been in the word and been in the scripture and know it, have read it back cover to cover, imagine if we, if if that knowledge transferred, moved its way from here into here and then out here to a broken world. Imagine if every Christian that has read the scripture, a portion of scripture, that knowledge moved from here to here and out here. The world would be a different place. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah it's a, it's, it, there's a difference between knowing and then there's a difference between doing. All right. Today, I want to ask you a question and you can write this down if you're taking notes. All right. Uh, I really want you to think about it. What are you doing today to help somebody? What are you doing today to share the love of Jesus with somebody? Because today, before your head lay, before you hit the pillow tonight, you're going to have a ton of opportunities to help somebody. You're going to have a ton of opportunities to love somebody. Hey, I'm preaching to myself this morning. Listen, we, we have a ton of opportunities to text somebody to say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I'm praying for you. You have a ton of opportunities maybe to help someone financially, whatever, whatever God puts it, we have opportunities. So what are you doing today to help somebody? They got this saying about excuses. I'm not going to, I'm not going to share it with you. Uh, but uh, listen, there's a passage I love in, in Ecclesiastes eleven four, 4, and it says this If you always wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never sow. You'll never sow. Like, think about it. If you're always waiting for the perfect conditions, the perfect setup to help somebody, it, it, where it's easy, you'll never sow. Let's get into the scripture this morning. Uh, we've been going through the Welcome Home series, and man, this has been awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, last week was fire. The week before, we had a blast. So I'm really excited about this scripture today. This is what I call, this is on one of Jesus' greatest hits, all right? Like if he had an album, like this scripture is one of the best. We had, we had uh, last week, which was the prodigal son. This week, it's the good Samaritan. I, I messed around. I was talking to my wife. I called it the great Samaritan. That was kind of funny. Y'all can laugh at that. It's just silly stuff. I'm just being silly, all right? So, yeah, uh, so it's a good Samaritan. I want to just go right into it, all right? We're going to go right into it, okay? Let's look at the first verse. Just then, an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good for you, bro. Good for you. That joker could have went to Jesus, and he could have said, Hey, Jesus, where'd you get them sandals at, bro? Hey, Jesus, hey, hey, uh, what's your favorite color? He could ask Jesus anything. Hey, when you're at the house with the disciples, what what kind of music y'all listen to? Nah, nah, he went for a big one. He walked up to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? (laughs) How many times have you in your prayer life asked that question? I mean, you know what I'm saying? You're like praying to God. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So I'm like giving this guy kudos. Because think about the culture we live in. We don't care. I mean, just think about it. We really don't care. Like we, we have this view of our life that we're going to die. We're going to be put in the grave in the dirt and that's it for us. We might write a book and it might be on, you might sell it on Amazon or something. You know, that, that's our legacy. I don't know. I, I'm just saying like we, we live this life and that's it. We're not really asking the questions. If, if there's something in this life, that's going to affect the afterlife. We don't, we don't really think about it. Back then it was a, it was an obsession in this culture. If there was something that they could do in this life that would affect the afterlife, they were interested in it. And I think that's part of the reason everyone kept asking Jesus this question. This isn't the first time in the scripture that someone asked Jesus this question. So like, I'm giving this guy super kudos for asking a question, but I'm about to take them kudos right back, all right? Because in the text, look, your, your passage, or excuse me, your translation, mine says, a teacher of the law. Some translations say, lawyer. Joker was a lawyer. All right. So he shows up to Jesus and look at what the text says. An expert of the law stood up to test him, test him. It is not a good idea, especially in a public setting to go to Jesus and test him. All right. Just don't do it. And so what happens in this is he's asking a question with wrong motives It's similar to a question that it's like this. Do you believe in infant baptism or do you believe in like fully some, you know, putting someone under the water? Do you believe your skirt's got to be this high or do you believe in contemporary worship? He's asking kind of like this, this works type of question. What must I do? It's kind of just surface level. He wants to have a conversation with Jesus here and Jesus wants to have a conversation here. He wants to go in ankle deep. Jesus wants to take him into the deep water. Okay. And, and Jesus knows this. He knows this. Look at the next passage in 26. Jesus says, what is written in the law? He asked him and how do you read it? Jesus, man. I love Jesus for this reason. The guy asked him a question. Jesus just going to hit him with a question right back. I love that. He says, what is written in the law? He asked him and how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength." and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So we asked Jesus this question. Jesus says, well, we know how do you read the law? What is it? And some scholars say that this teacher of the law pulled out the Torah, which is the Holy Scriptures, and started to read. I don't think so. I think this guy, if he truly was a teacher of the law, this guy knew it. By age 13, he had to have large portions of the Torah, the Bible, memorized. He knew it. You see what I'm saying? He knew it. He knew these two commandments. And he was kind of proud about it. He's like, he fired them off really quick. He knew it. And he says these two very interesting commandments. And we love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's interesting about these two commandments is later, if you read ahead, if you just get ambitious and you're like, hey, I want to go ahead, I'm going to read beyond this, you'll find that Jesus says that these are the two greatest commandments. What do you mean? What about the Ten Commandments? If you break down the Ten Commandments, all right, half of the Ten Commandments are about your relationship with God. The other half are about your relationship with other people. Some people like to describe it like this. The first half of the uh, Ten Commandments are like a cross, like the upward part of the cross, your relationship with God, and the other is your relationship with people. that makes a cross. Yeah, that's an easy way to remember it. But what's interesting about these two and the reason that Jesus shows up on the scene and kind of rocks the religious world is he's saying, listen, the Ten Commandments are great. They're there. Uh, But I've I've come and I'm telling you there's two great ones. And these two encapsulate all of the Ten Commandments. Every commandment that you've heard, these two encapsulate it. If you get these two right, you get credit for all of them. Imagine if you went to school and the teacher said, we got a test coming up and there's 175 questions on this test. But if you get these two right, you're going to get credit for all of them. That's a pretty good deal, wouldn't you say? They are going to like foreclose in your home, take your car away and everything. But if you make these two small payments, you know what? We'll give it all back. That's a good deal. I mean, come on. You know what I'm saying? A good deal? Yeah. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, this is my priority. These two things. The first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. To this Jewish boy who asked Jesus this question, think about it in Jewish culture you had to do all of this religious stuff you couldn't literally on the on the day of rest you couldn't walk a certain amount of feet you could only wear a certain amount of clothes you could only eat certain types of food and so Jesus is saying the most important rule, the most important commandment is love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor yourself. He's going, and you could think in this Jewish boy's mind, he's going, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that all of that doesn't matter? The thing that takes priority over all of the things that I have to do is that I love God? Yeah, you know his mind is starting to get rocked. It's starting to get rocked. If if the mo- one of the most com- important commandments in the Bible is to love your God, it's pretty important. He even commands us to love Him. Like it, it, it's interesting. Like uh, it says in not in my translation, but it says uh, it says love thy Lord your God with all your uh, mind, heart, soul, and strength. And uh, it's funny because Jesus actually commands us. These are two commandments. He commands us to love him. Don't you wish you could do that? Don't you wish you could just command someone to love you? Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I command you to love me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you wish, I wish I could go to my wife and say, I command you to love me. Maybe that would fix some marriages. No, nah, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> okay. And some of you are thinking, God, why would God command that? That takes love out of it. If he commands me to love him, but I think sometimes we get wrapped up on the thou shalt nots in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? The things we shouldn't do. We look at the Bible as like, as these rule, instead of looking at the thou thou shalt, thou shalt love your, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We look at all these things we 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 can't do, but we don't look at the things that God invites us to do. He's commanding us and inviting us to love him. It's, as, it's like if my wife cooked this delicious meal that I love, like it was an amazing meal. And, she, and I come home and she goes, I command you to eat that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It's kind of like God. God is saying, I command you to love me. And when you love me, guess what? You're going to get everything. You're going to get life. You're going to get freedom. You're going to understand what true love and joy is. So before you get upset, like, how dare he command me to love him? No. You understand this is an invitation, an invitation to love your God. and the truth is is again, another like husband wife reference I feel like you know if my wife if I'm obsessed with loving her, then she doesn't have to worry about me cheating on her. You understand what I'm saying like if we're wrapped up in loving God and knowing him fully, he doesn't have to worry about the thou shalt not you understand what I'm saying. Mm. Sorry, I just had this hit me like a little lightning bolt there. So that's the first commandment. Um, the next one, if you look in the text, is love your neighbor as yourself. All right. You're going to have uh, a great, as great a relationship with God as you want. Okay. It just depends on how much time you want to put in. Um this next one, love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine what your personal relationships would look like if you were as forgiving to those people as you are to yourself. A lot of times in this life, people are like, like uh, they want you to understand their quirks before uh, they really want to understand your quirks. You know what I'm saying? Like those people who want tolerance, they oftentimes don't tolerate you. You know what I'm saying? Like we, a lot of times in this life, we want to get more than we really want to give. I know that was, uh, that was like a string of some really hard stuff, but let's just be honest. We're that type of creature where we want to get more than we really want to give. And that's what Jesus is addressing here. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, obliterates selfishness. It obliterates selfishness. You can't be selfish if you love your neighbor as yourself. We have to love our neighbor as ourself. If I'm going to brush my teeth at night, I ought to be brushing my son's teeth. We got to love our neighbor as ourselves, And you can't give away what you don't have. You can't give away what you don't have. If you don't love yourself, then you're not going to love very many other people. Have you ever, I mean, if you boil it down to the people that maybe rub you the wrong way or people who ridicule you or upset you or hate you, a lot of times these are people who are very upset with themselves. They don't really love themselves. It's hard to see that in the moment. We're like, man, you're messed up. Why would you do that? But really, if you can step back and take a look at it and have empathy, you'll understand these are people broken just like you who don't love themselves. Okay. And a lot of times, you know, especially in this, like, how can we give and love our neighbor if we, uh, if we can't experience and understand the love of God ourselves? I think about this in light of, uh, our dream team. We have a group of people here at the church that come in and serve day in and day out. And I want you to hear this because a lot of times when you serve God, yeah, you get physically tired, but a lot of times your soul is on fire. I mean, I, I can't tell you, I love coming here, but when I go home after Sunday, I mean, I'm ready to take a good nap. You hear me? Amen. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So, so there's that aspect to it, but a lot of times uh, we get frustrated or we step away from serving people, from loving people, from really giving all of ourselves because we lose sight of God's love for us and we lose sight of loving ourselves. And that, it's like the, it's the cup uh, analogy. You know, if you fill a cup up, if God pours in his love into your life, then you're able to pour out. But if, but if you don't have God's love pouring in, you have nothing to give anyone. You have nothing to give anyone. If you're sitting in here and you don't know Jesus as your savior, you know, you haven't experienced what really true unconditional love is. I'm going to tell you, when you experience that, then that's when you can really give out true unconditional love. Amen. Look at verse 28. (laughs) Jesus says, you've answered correctly. He told him, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor. I knew this dude did something wrong. I knew he did something wrong. Like I was rooting for this guy. I was rooting for him. And then when I read in the text, it said he wanted to justify himself, man, it reminded me of me. you know how many arguments I've gotten in where it ended? It was over. Do this and you will live. Done. Oh, I really got to get the last word in. I need to justify myself on this one thing. Boom. And I said it. And that thing just like got stirred up. (laughs) Is anybody, you know what I'm saying? It gets stirred up. It's bad. It's bad. That's what happened here. All right. Jesus was like, hey, do this and you will live. And he's like, "Uh, I I need to clarify something. Who's my neighbor? I'm like, bro, you should have just left it alone. You would have not been known in the Bible for 2000 plus years as the guy who tested Jesus if you would have just been quiet. Man what this guy is saying here is how do I determine my neighbor? Do I determine who my neighbor is by the guy who lives next to me? Do I determine my neighbor by what church he goes to? Do I determine my neighbor by his ethnicity? Do I determine my neighbor by his politics? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus He, this is why I love Jesus, man. I love Jesus. Because this guy comes up, he's like, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem. (laughs) Boy, I love Jesus, man. (laughs) I wish I could have been there. (laughs) He doesn't even answer the guy. He's like, a man was coming down from Jerusalem. (laughs) He says, "A, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers they stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. And you realize Jesus is telling a fictional story. This is not actually this didn't actually happen. Okay? Uh, nowhere in the text did this say Jesus just started telling the story. All right. It's a teaching lesson. All right. You need to know this. And what's interesting is Jesus knew the people he was talking to. You need to know the people you're talking to. And he knew that if he was going to mention the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, that people were going to know what that road was. All right. I had a friend who actually went to Jerusalem and actually traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho. I hit him up. He told me, yeah, it's a 4,000 foot drop over 17 miles. All right. That's a crazy road. So when they say they go down from Jerusalem, they're going down from Jerusalem. All right. That's a 4,000 foot drop. And he told me that the road was so winding, there were rocks everywhere, perfect for people to hide out, people to like rob people. Uh, In fact, four centuries, four centuries after Jesus lived and died, people would still rob people on this road. So Jesus knew who he was talking to. He was like, hey, these people are going to know. And this guy in particular is going to know about this road. And it says that he went from Jerusalem to Jericho. So what Jesus is saying in the story is that this guy's a Jew. The only reason a guy would go from Jerusalem to Jericho is if he was a Jew. All right. And so we know this guy's a Jew. And then, so he's traveling along the road. There's these robbers. They hide out. And then they beat the man down. They stripped him of his clothes and they left him half dead. When they say beat him, translated, it means pummeled. He was in critical condition. All right. ICU. This is like life material. All right. This guy is bad shape. All right. It wasn't like kicked him in the shin, stole his stuff. It wasn't like that. I mean, this guy got beat up. He was not in good shape. And then Jesus goes on. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite When he arrived at the place, saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan. Uh, I'll tell you this right now. At this point in the story, when Jesus, I'm just trying to put myself in that space. If I was that Jewish guy and I just heard him say this, uh, have you ever knocked down a, a, a wasp nest, a really large wasp nest, like knocked it down? What happens directly after that is kind of like what's happened in this guy's soul. He's like, oh, Jesus just said, a priest went down, didn't even help the guy. A Levite went down, didn't even help the guy. But a Samaritan, mm, we'll get into that in a minute. But what's crazy about that is a priest is one of the most holiest dudes. Holiest guy, does everything right. He's he the, In their culture, he was holy, he's a religious leader, did all the sacraments, did everything right. His priest walks down, sees the dude, is like, nah, 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 I ain't going to help this guy. Then a Levite. So in like the level of holiness, there's the priest and then the Levite. They're like semi-holy. All right. The semi-holy guy walks up. He sees the dude. He's like, nah, I ain't going to help this guy. And they walk away. It, the On the other side of the road, translated really means like 180 turn, like saw the dude and was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not even going to help him. The problem with that is that the priest and the Levites knew the law. And the law said, if you see someone in need, you have to, by law, are commanded to help that person. So we're talking about two really holy people who do all the things right. They see the man in need and they walk away. They walk away. And then he goes on to say, a Samaritan, a Samaritan. It's interesting. In the text here, it says, when the Samaritan saw him, When did the compassion start for the man? It's when the Samaritans saw him. I pray to God that the compassion that you experience in your heart and the empathy that you experience in your heart happens when you see the people around you. When you leave this place, and you see someone in need, that your heart gets stirred to help them, to love them. And what happens with the Samaritan, it's just, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. It's about loving your neighbor. This, This text It goes even further than this, okay? Yes, it's about loving your neighbor, but this is also a text about racism. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody even wants to talk about this. But the fact that the Jewish guy had such a difficult time with the story, from the jump, Jesus knew this about this guy, that he was full of hatred in his heart, that he didn't really truly love his neighbor. And so in the story, he decides to make the good guy the Samaritan. Now, in their culture, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. In fact, it was violent hate, like they would kill each other. So like I said, there was like a wasp nest like just going crazy in this dude because Jesus is speaking to his soul. This guy wanted to talk here. Jesus is about to talk right here. And he tells the guy, a Samaritan sees the Jewish man from Jerusalem and has compassion on him. Oh man, this guy, have you ever had those moments? where either maybe you heard something, God was speaking to you and you just felt tore up on the inside. Like your soul was just being, ah, oh, I know God. I know. That's what this guy I feel like is experiencing right now. So as if it's not enough that Jesus just said a Samaritan guy helped the Jew. Oh, the story goes on. He bandages the guy. So first of all, Uh, chances are the Samaritan didn't, wasn't carrying like a massive first aid kit. Just got his, his, cause he's like, you know what? I'm going to encounter someone. No, dude didn't have a first aid kit. He was probably ripping fabric off his clothes. He's probably literally taking his clothes off to bandage this guy. Remember he was naked. Okay. So he's stripping his clothes off to actually help this guy. And you know, that dude that, that asked Jesus, you know, he's just sitting here in the store. He's like, are you serious? Then. He gets out the oil and wine. It's a long journey. This guy would have been carrying some oil and wine, some wine for the trip, some oil, all right? And it says that he dabs the oil and wine on the Jewish guy. No, it doesn't say that. It says he poured the oil on him, the oil for his wounds. It loosens up the skin, and the wine acted like a disinfectant, and he actually poured it out. He poured. He went all the way with it. He poured it all out, and he still had a long journey ahead of him. Oh, that's not it. The guy then picks up the guy, the naked guy who he just bandaged, right, puts puts the guy on his own animal. Remember, 4,000-foot drop, rocks. It's a really difficult road, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to put the guy on his animal. I'm going to walk. So he's walking. Oh, man, it doesn't stop there he takes him to an inn, which ends back in the day were dangerous places. He risks his own life for this guy. It doesn't stop there. Literally the text said the next day. That joker stayed all night. I mean, he stayed all night with the Jewish guy. The Samaritan did. And we get excited when we give a homeless guy a few bucks. This guy stayed with him all night. Oh, it doesn't even stop there. He gives them two denarii. I know that doesn't mean a lot to us, but that is a huge part of the Samaritan's salary for the year. This is months and months of support from this guy. All right, he gives them two denarii. And then uh, it, this is the Samaritan who probably hates Jewish guys loving his enemy. And then he says, hey, watch after this. He tells the innkeeper, watch after this guy. Whatever you spend on him, I'll reimburse you. When I come back. The dude then comes back. You can imagine the Jewish guy, he's not enjoying hearing this. The guy that approached Jesus, he's, he's hearing this story and it is tearing him up on the inside. And then Jesus asked this question. Jesus knows you, by the way. You can't hide from him. He knows you. He knows what you think. He knows what you hear. He knows what's happening in your mind and in your heart. You can't hide from him. And you see examples of this over and over and over, and Jesus still loves you, thank God. He still loves me, thank God. That even when I think crazy things and I have hatred in my heart and I struggle, he loves us enough to, to teach us like this. He loves this guy. And he says this, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And this teacher of the law I just like to think that the reason he was so tore up, he couldn't even say Samaritan. I mean, he's that he's, he has that much hate. He's like, well, the one who showed him mercy, you know, he's like, I can't even say Samaritan right now because I just can't believe that in the story, the Samaritan was the guy who helped the Jewish guy. And he says, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus sealed the deal. He said, go and do the same Whew. That's a deep breath moment right there. It's like, man, can you imagine hearing that from Jesus? Who is my neighbor? Your enemy. Go and be like him. Oh, man, that is rough. That is difficult. The guy can't even stand it. What Jesus is saying is he's, he's saying, go and love everybody, every person that you meet, even the people that you hate. It's not enough to just know because the guy literally said, love your neighbor. It's not enough to just know you have to put it into action or it's useless. It's useless. What the guy is saying is, who qualifies for my love? And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter who qualifies for your love. It matters the quality of your love, your quality of your love. And the Samaritan gave everything he had, everything he had. We was in 100%. One hundred percent. And you don't need permission from God to meet a need. You don't need permission to God from God to meet a need. Isn't it funny when you feel like God asks you to love somebody or do something for somebody that you don't want to do? You're like, God, if you're asking me to do this, I need a sign. I need lightning from heaven. God, I need a butterfly to cross my path. I need, God, I need angels to come down with trumpets. Dun, 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 dun. Love him. But when we actually want to love somebody, oh, we don't even need a sign. We just do it. We just do it. You don't need permission from God to love somebody. You don't need that. In fact, he commands us, love your neighbor. That's all you should need. That's all you should need. When you leave this place and you see someone in need, whether it's financially, whatever, maybe you can't do that. Maybe maybe you can give all of yourself and time. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's just love. Maybe, maybe it's an encouraging word. Maybe it's something. Listen, you don't need permission from God to do that, to love someone like that. You can do that right now. You can do that right now. And when I was putting this sermon together, I felt like God was speaking to me. I was thinking about our church. I was thinking about you as an individual. I was thinking the way that we're really going to reach this city and the way that we're really going to love people and we're going to show them Jesus is if on an individual level, we understand these commandments. We got to love God and we have really got to love our neighbor. And how do we do that? We, give, we, we go all out. We go all out on an individual level, on a church level, as a church, man, I pray God make us a church that is all in 100% for other people. And we do a lot of things in our church. We help refugees. We do a mentorship program. We do a lot of different things in our church where we're outward thinking. We're about other people. But the only way that we continue on that track is if us as an individual, we understand that God's got to love us. We've got to love ourselves and that he commands us to love other people. Amen. Amen. So how do we do it? How do we do it? And then I'm done for today. All right. You're like, good. I'm tired of hearing this guy talk. I got two things. All right. If you're like me and sometimes you have a hard time loving people, mm, I have some ideas. All right. Here's some ideas. The first one is if you're sitting here thinking, you're like, okay, God, you've commanded me to love people. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know the first thing about loving people. The way we build our church is we have what we call the dream team. And I've mentioned it several times. What we do on the dream team is we actually walk you through a spiritual gift test where you're like, you, you may not know this about yourself, but when you take one of these spiritual gift tests, you're like, oh, and then we actually help you ser- serve and love people in our community. That's what we're all about. That's what our church is all about. And we're all about loving people and caring for people, pouring ourselves out to love others. So my first step, and this is my encouragement to you, join the dream team. If today you have your communication card, and if you're someone who's like, I don't really know where to even start, we want to help you start that. Start that journey of of loving people and helping people. Write your name on that card, write your info, and we're going to contact you. The second thing I want to do before we leave is I want to challenge you to have a plan. The Samaritan had a plan. He had to have a plan. I mean, he's like, all right, I'm going to put this guy on my donkey. I'm going to take him to the end. I'm going to give this guy money. Like, He had a plan. All right? You got to have a plan. Right now, if you've got a phone with like your notes app, maybe you've got a piece of paper near you, I want you to start making a list of people in your life that you need to be loving right now. People that you, you know what, I need to reach out to them. I need to text them. I need to help them. Maybe you have a family member in need, someone that you know is struggling and you need to love them. Remember, it's a command, it's an invitation. Love your neighbor. So just start making that list and you can even put at the top, you know, people I need to love. There's another list I want you to make, but uh, I don't want you to title this one. (laughs) It's your enemies, all right? Just in case they get a hold of the list, I don't want them to be like, wait. I'm your enemies, enemies. frenemies, frenemies, like we're friends and enemies, (laughs) it's complicated. No, make a list, make a list of people that, that maybe rub you the wrong way. Maybe this is a list of people that you really struggle with. Maybe this is a list of people that you, I mean, I'm just saying, sometimes we hate people. We struggle to love people. Maybe it's someone who hates you and you're struggling from it. Make a list of these people, all right? out beside their name, I want you to come up with a plan. What are you going to do? Maybe it's just encouraging them. Maybe it's just saying, maybe that's the first step, just saying, did you have a good weekend? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you got to start somewhere. You got to love people, all right? The Bible teaches over and over, you got to love your enemies, even the people that hate you. The Samaritan, this is a prime example. The Samaritan hates the Jews. The Jews hate Samaritans. He wrote a story where the Samaritan loves the Jew and he tells the guy to do the exact same thing. All right. So think about the people that you struggle with. And Jesus literally is saying, you need to love them, love those people. I know that's hard. I know I probably just stirred up a wasp nest in your soul, but that is exactly what God is wanting to do. He wants us to love everyone. And my prayer for you is that in this life, before the breath leaves your lungs, that you learn and you have the experience of what it looks like to love, to give all of yourself, to love 100% of yourself without holding back. That's my prayer. I pray you experience that. I pray we experience that, that we love uh, unhindered. And so today, uh, just remember, it's not enough to just have the knowledge we have to act. We don't want to continue to be the those churchy people that say one thing and they don't do it. We got to be the people who have the knowledge we understand, but it makes that journey from here to here to here. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And God, I'm praying today, God, that one of us, if it's, if it's not anyone here, it's me, God, that we hear this message and we hear your scripture and we hear your word and it sinks so deep into our hearts that we can't do anything but love people. God, I pray right now that you start bringing people to our minds. God, people who we need to love. God, I start. I, I pray that you start bringing enemies to our minds, people that we need to love. God, so that when we face you, God, we can say we did everything we could to love our neighbor. And God, help us to love you more than anything. And from that, God, just let our love as a church and love as individuals flood the streets of Watauga. God, I pray that the love that we have for you and the love we have for our neighbors flood into Fort Worth, DFW, the Metroplex, our world. God, I pray that it starts right here, right now, and I pray it starts in our hearts. God, do not let us leave this place without a plan on how we are going to look like you, we're going to love you, and we're going to love other people. God, we love you, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name.